Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey everybody, happy Wednesday and welcome into another episode of the Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. It feels good to be here with you today. On the show, we are chatting with actress, director, writer, producer Danielle Beckman. Her film Liza Anonymous was selected for the Tribeca Film Festival 2021, an official selection. That's Robert De Niro's big film festival in New York. And uh, what an honor it must be to have a film selected and really just all the hard work it takes to actually put a film together. And, And in this one, she is an actual actress in it she stars in it so not only did she do the whole shebang but she also starred in it we caught up with her and we talked about all of this and so many more things she had a lot of really good advice for folks who are getting started in the industry or anybody really that is pursuing or producing any kind of passion project or arts Danielle was the best. I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a kind rating and review. It really does help the show out. And also, check out our sponsor this week in our show notes, Peaky's Eats. They are a local Bay Area food truck business, and uh, they are just the best. My good buddy, Jared Tesca, runs this. He started it. He created it. He came up with all of it. They have amazing gourmet hot dogs and wood-fired pizzas. Darn it, there I go again. I need to eat something. Enjoy this episode today with the amazing... Amazingly talented Daniel Beckman. You're listening to The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Have you subscribed to this show yet? I've tried bribes. I've tried gifts. You should. It's absolutely free. I even sent him some pet oxen. Now back to the show with your host, Brett Allen. Idly hey. Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished. A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Danielle Beckman, welcome into the podcast. We are happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to meet you, Brett. This is yeah, exciting. likewise. Well, we have never had a Tribeca Film Festival <gasps> entrance on the podcast, so I'm excited because I have a lot of questions. But yeah, you reached out to me through social media, and then you emailed me. So the introduction was done that way, and we've talked back and forth a little bit. But I'm very curious because you said something in your email that I've I've heard a few people say you were in New York or you were in California, then you went to New York and then you back to California. Mm-hmm. But you said something kind of funny that caught my attention that you had to leave New York to make it in New York. So yes. what does that mean exactly? Because it seems to be not that uncommon these days for a lot of people. Absolutely. Well, I, yeah, I was in New York for 13 years. And of course you have the, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, you know, Frank Sinatra ringing in your ear about New York. And to be honest, quote unquote, making in, in New York to me means just surviving and, and thriving in that city because it will swallow you up. The culture of 
hustling and just, I feel like every overachiever in the world goes to live in New York for, you know, a stint. And so everyone there in this city that is like just palpitating with like creativity and all these things, how do you quote unquote, make it or be seen in, in New York city. Right. Right. And then when COVID happened, everything slowed down. So my husband and I moved out to LA But having the recognition of my film be in something as big as Tribeca Film Festival, which is not only a huge New York festival, but a an international like one of the top 10 international festivals is a way of me going, okay. I am quote unquote, making it in New York in a way that might be recognized on a bigger scale. Um, But having said that, I mean, I did, I was a working actor in New York. And so in a way, having that sort of like quiet working actor, you know, day in, day out hustle to me is also making it because I have so much respect for all those actors, performers, musicians, podcasters, all those people um, in New York city that are really, they really give it their all. Um, it's kind of like a roundabout way to answer your question, but, but sort of, sort of just, just honoring the New York energy really. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that makes perfect sense. And Tribeca, that's Robert De Niro's festival, right? Bobby D. I don't know if I'm allowed to call him that, but <laughs> yes, it I don't is. think he <laughs> listens to this podcast. So you're fine. You're well, we're, you never know. You never yeah. know, but yeah, that was his. Well, and what's beautiful about it is he started the, um, the festival back in September, right after September 11th of 2001. And he has, um, it, as a way to revitalize New York City. And so here we are 20 years later, the 20th anniversary after COVID-19. And here we are again with Tribeca revitalizing New York. Um, they have a bunch of different outdoor theater spaces where they're going to be showing the films. Um, they've gotten super creative. And I think it's just going to add even more life to the city. So I'm flying out. I'm going to be there. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty much fully open at this point from what I yeah. understand. So yeah which is crazy to me because we are like one third of the size of New York and we're struggling to open by June 15th, but I digress. I know, (laughs) I know, I know. Gosh, every, it's like hit or miss. Every state is so different. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, to have a film recognized on that level is a big deal. So my question would be, are you, is the next step to option it to a studio and try and get it on more screens? What, what is the next step for you once you make it this far, which is huge, by the way, to even get it into Thank a festival you. and then to get it recognized and to be one of the top 10 or so films for people to watch? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, we made the film as a concept short. Okay. So we made it to say, here's a slice of Liza Anonymous. And here's what this character is going through. And here are some other, you know, all these potential juicy storylines that could happen. And we all see it on the team as a series. Um, like it could like on a streaming platform. Absolutely. Okay. Like a Netflix or something. 
Yeah. So the, I, there, there are certain things that I'm not really divulging on as of right of now, course, absolutely. but we do, we do hope it to have a further life. And, you know, I know sometimes people make shorts as like a concept short for a feature or things like that, but we really feel like this is a, would really work in an episodic type format. And there, because there's, there's so much packed into the 12 minutes of the film. Um, but there's, there's just so much more we could do and give these characters a bigger life. So. Yeah. That happens a lot. I think yeah. uh, Aziz Ansari's master of none, that was kind of how it started is like a concept 12 minutes into a film festival. And then it turned out to be something spectacular. I actually like that better, to be honest, because I feel like it allows us as the viewer of the content to really get more out of it versus like two hours of something being on the screen. I mean, either way, I think it would be great. But yeah, to have it be a series on a streaming platform, because now it seems like I mean, it was happening before the pandemic, but especially mm -hmm. now streaming has become something new. It's looked at differently than it was before. I mean, to get something on a streaming platform before was kind of like, oh, that's nice. But really, yeah. I think the pandemic, one of the positive things to come out of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the fact that, you know, there are so many ways to get your content out. Oh, absolutely. And it's also, like you said, it's kind of shifted and it's it's more respected now. The rules right? are broken as far as yeah. how you as an actor or as a content creator puts your things out there for people to watch. Right. You can communicate your story in so many ways. I mean, we can even talk about TikTok, you know, which I do not have an account. I'm really sad either. to say, but I did write at the beginning of the pandemic, I did write um, a short script about this TikTok star and her life on and off screen um, and just kind of exploring that topic. And, but even like, I think YouTube has a streaming platform now, yeah. you know, there's Paramount Plus, there's Peacock, there's obviously Hulu and Netflix. There's, there's just, there's HBO Max. There's so many options. And I think because people it's, it's like a golden age of content and people are wanting it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the possibilities are limitless. And the rules that used to exist for getting entertainment, I mean, you can do anything really if you have an iPhone or a yes. good phone to put something together. Let's talk about the film. What is it about? And how did this originate for you? Absolutely. So the film was written by my dear college friend, Leah McKendrick, and she actually wrote the film for me. Um, so she knew that I was acting in New York City in a bunch of developmental theater and um, you know, commercials, voiceovers, all these things, but I was really wanting to sink my teeth into something really meaty. And, um, she was like, I have this concept where you could play like five different people in, in a short film. And I was like, right up my alley, let's do it. Um, and so she, she wrote it for me and it grew from there. And so Liza Anonymous is a story about a lonely millennial who becomes addicted to support groups and she creates a different persona to fit in with each group and her charade crumbles and she's forced to get to the root of her unique addiction and find her true identity. And it leads her on, let's just say a very theatrical journey. I don't want to give away the ending. Um, but that is sort of the gist. We pack a lot into 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's an understatement, but yeah. that's interesting. And probably not for you specifically, but for somebody 
that's art imitating life, being addicted to support groups and being somebody who goes from group to group to group when really the addiction is something internal for them and not necessarily right. alcohol or drugs, which right. I find well, entertaining. The, <laughs> yeah. And, and in the exploration of the character, I found out that the addiction was her almost having this euphoric high of people looking at her and listening to her. Um, and she's in these foreign places and people are, are listening to her stories, elaborate stories she creates. And so in that way, when I say theatrical journey, I mean, I think that her maybe desire to be an actor or be on stage in some way is just is misplaced. And of course, it's a short, so you don't get the backstory of the character. You don't get, you know, a lot of of the details. Um, but the audience is sort of left to have their either questions lingering and they can answer them themselves, um, or sort of, you know, decide and get to create what, what Liza comes from and where she goes next. Yeah. Very exciting. Coming to a screen near you soon, hopefully. Well, yeah, the digital, um, the screening on in person is June 12th. And then the digital pass is available on Tribeca's website, and that'll be available June 13th. Exciting. Can't wait yeah. to watch it. Uh, that's a good one for you. And I think people are going to fall in love with it and be interested. I want to jump back a little bit and talk a little yeah. bit more about your journey. So mm -hmm. New York was kind of the target for you where you wanted mm -hmm. to go. When you decided New York, what was the plan? Were you going to be on Broadway? Were you going to just, I mean, because a lot of people go a lot of places. I even had a coworker who was going to New York to go to fashion school. Like that's where she oh, wanted wow. to go. And I was like, wow, that is like a big swing. And she's like, yeah, everybody tells me that. Uh, oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, like acting fashion, those are like the big comedy. Work, I mean, right? it's crazy. Yeah. So I, when I was 21 years old, I graduated, I got my BFA in theater performance and I uh, got into this program called Springboard NYC and it's through the American theater wing. So the yes. American theater wing does the Tonys and all that. And so I had this sort of like three week boot camp in New York city. It was such a delight. And at the end, I got to go to the Tony Awards and I met all these casting directors and um, got all my monologues in tip top shape and all this. And out of the whole program, you had to either be a rising senior or uh, just graduated from college. And so out of the whole program, there were 40 of us and there were only like two or three of us who actually stayed in New York. Everyone else came, did the program and then went back to their hometowns. And I stayed, I brought my my, I always say I had three bucks, two bags, one me. I was orphan Annie and I had made it and I got my apartment, um, subleased from another actor. And yeah, the goal was always to be a working actor. Of course I had my sights set on Broadway theater is my first love. Um, but I just was like, I want to work in whatever capacity I can. And that is actually the same time when producing came about, um, because with Liza Anonymous, I'm not only the lead, but I'm also, um, yes. one of the head producers. Yeah. So, 
So I produced a lot of work talking about getting your work out there. I did every, I produced web series. I produced theater festivals, comedy shows, digital and in person, um, and off-Broadway plays. Like I got my first write-up in backstage.com because of a play I produced. I got my first agent because of a play I starred in and produced. Um, so that is all a part of the quote unquote making it too, I think, right? Like, yeah, of course. So literally just making recognition it. is huge. Yeah. So, but my, but, but I have to say though, Brett, I still have my sights set on Broadway, even though now I'm, I'm in a filmmaking town, my movie is doing this, this thing, you know, my agents and managers are sending me on all, you know, on camera, um, auditions and whatnot. I, I have this like vision of me, like being in my fifties or sixties on Broadway. And it's just, it's so, it feels so real. I mean, that's in many years, but (laughs) it's still there. Hey, that's okay. So family, what did they think about this when you decided that you wanted to pack up and go to New York? Oh, wow. I, I actually, I've been performing on stage since I was four years old. Okay. Yeah. So they always knew that I was going to take this all the way. Yeah. So I'm also an only child. Um, my parents, they got separated when I was, they, they, let's see, they got a divorce. I think I was about 11 Okay. and they both have been supportive through everything for That's me. That's good. So, yeah. And they, they also, I think, you know, I think that they believed in me. They're like, yep, she can hack it. She can do it, you know? And of course, as their only child there in California and I'm in New York, that's tough. But like, at, who doesn't want to come visit New York City? Like they loved to visit and they're happy I'm back in California though, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, well, it's nice being from a family of divorce and my son, who's oh, wow. a result of divorce. And I say yeah. result meeting, just being in that. It's nice when you have both parents, not just have a united front, but really- having that effect on you and supporting you and not having one versus the other, trying to pull you the opposite direction. And like you can being out there, although you were on your own, you Mm. had that support system, right. To give to you what you needed. Yeah, absolutely. And I, Oh my gosh, I'm so, so grateful for that too. Um, and and yeah, it was also, it was really a special occasion when I was in a play and, you know, one or the other would fly out and, and get to stay. I mean, oh, some of the best nights of my life were just like going out in New York city with my parents. <laughs> yeah. It's nice when they get along, you know, and yeah. can help you, um, get through that when, so this happened to you when you were younger then. So it wasn't yes. later on in life. No. Did that affect you at all? As far as like potentially making decisions about what you wanted to do, the divorce Mm. and that sort of thing? That's a really good question. The, you know, by the time I was 11, I'd been in, um, let's see, I I grew up doing musical theater. So I had already been in about, I think 18 musicals at that point. Um, so it was pretty much solidified what I wanted to do. And then, um, after the, the divorce happened, we we actually moved up from San Diego up to orange County. 
And in Orange County, I found other theater groups and things. So it, it sort of was like a seamless transition in me okay. still getting to work in the arts, which which was so lovely. And of course, when I was younger, they're like, let's put Danielle in soccer and see how that goes. And I'm doing like tondus and pot of berets on the field. Oh, and they're like, OK, this is not the right thing for Danielle. <laughs> um, but yeah, they always just sort of wanted to feed my creativity in whatever way was possible. And when I was in eighth grade is when I started producing my first show. I produced the wizard of Oz in my eighth grade and I was Dorothy. So that was my first like producing and acting player coach. You did both. I did both. (laughs) That's great. And the fact that the divorce didn't, I mean, it's hard enough when that happens to a child Because the children are always the ones that get affected the most. And I know that just from experience, you know, when my son's mom and I separated and divorced, my son was very young. So growing up, you know, he's six and a half now, soon to be seven. So he really doesn't know anything other than that. It's when it happens later on in life Mm. and being a child of divorce. I think that's why maybe in some sort of ethereal way, you know, visceral way you and I connected so well, even though we had met was because yeah. we've been there through it together and we know what it's like, but to have parents that encourage you in your creativity and support you in your creativity is huge. And I love it. I think that's what makes part of your story so beautiful and maybe affecting the things that you've done and the stories that have been right. written for you perfectly well maybe why your character is addicted to support groups i don't know i mean i think that's very i think everything ties in together for a reason in one way shape or form right i completely agree and you know what brett there's this um technique well it's one of the many acting techniques out there and it's niche work so it's like finding your actor niche right but it's more than just like okay i'm a freckly um, you know, white girl from America of Italian descent with brown hair. And it's more than just what I look like. Right. Um, it's the niche has to do with what are the stories I fit into and what do I tell? Yeah. And yeah. And I think the idea with Liza anonymous is she's searching for belonging. She's searching for that love, which is a sliver of what I do. Um, but also here's, what's interesting. I play, um, a lot of really strong characters. So in my other roles, I play like, I'll play, you know, a personal trainer who's kind of like a hard, you know, hard and fast personal trainer, or I'll play, um, a principal of a school or a CEO or a lawyer or a casting director or someone in charge. And so what I think was really lovely about Liza Anonymous is that here she is. She's kind of a boss of her life because she's right. literally doing her all her hair and makeup, creating <laughs> these personas for each of these people. And yet it's all misplaced. It's all in the wrong place. It's like, and then you go, how did someone get to this point? And the desperation overcame her. And so, um, you know, all those facets are so interesting to pay attention to. I love it. Yeah, I think it all works in together and makes up who you are and why actors play certain things that they do. Well, this has been fun and we want to make sure people know that uh, Liza Anonymous 
uh, is part of the Tribeca Film Festival and will be a part of cinematic history and people yes. can access <laughs> it soon uh, and sometime in the next couple of weeks if people want to watch it. And uh, we will get a link to this later that people can actually purchase it, you know, the film pass later when it becomes available to the general public. Yeah, well, we have we have the link now, but it'll become live um, okay. on the 13th. Yeah. Perfect. Fantastic. Excited to see what the future holds for you. Uh, Danielle, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I had a blast. Thank you. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.